MSW Media. Thanks to Athletic Greens for supporting the Daily Beans. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. If you're looking for a simpler and cost-effective supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. And thanks to Thrive Cosmetics for supporting the Daily Beans. Get luxury, high-performance cosmetics that highlight your best features. For every purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates to help women thrive. Go to thrivecosmetics.com slash dailybeans for 15% off your first order. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, February 9th, 2023. Today, Michael Cohen meets with prosecutors at the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. Deutsche Bank claims a settlement deal that they made with an Epstein victim precludes them from being sued for complicity. The open Department of Justice investigation into Hunter Biden will keep Merrick Garland from having to share information with Republicans in the House. MSNBC and NBC employees plan to walk out to protest layoffs. And GOP lawmakers allege ridiculous conspiracy theories in an oversight hearing with ex-Twitter employees. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Oh, hello. What a fun hearing that was today. Oh, my God. I cannot (laughs) wait for you to get to that story and play that clip, because if someone out there hasn't heard it, you're welcome. (laughs) It's amazing. It's amazing. All right. So some breaking news real quick that we're going to cover in depth tomorrow. James O'Keefe, remember him? He's from the Project Veritas guy. Mm -hmm. He's been put on paid leave from Uh Project Veritas. He's under federal criminal investigation for stealing Ashley Biden's diary. I'm not sure if those two are connected, but fascinating. Nonetheless, we'll cover it tomorrow. And how about that State of the Union? Dark Brandon coming out hot. I love that he basically got Republicans to say on record that they weren't going to touch Medicaid and Medicare, which was fucking brilliant. And yeah, and Social Security, too. He totally rope-a-doped him into that. It was brilliant and amazing. He handles hecklers like a champ. He does. Marjorie Taylor Greene is an asshole, as we already know, and a child. And I love how they're like, she's trying to rebrand so she can be the vice president. I'm like, nah, she's not doing a very good job so far. Yeah, no, they're just completely digging their own graves for 2024, and I'm here for it. So, again, it's like I've told people that I've interviewed, I've talked to you about this, I've talked to like people in my private life about this, I'm on the fence about how she is completely degrading the institution of the House of Representatives, but also, like, go ahead uh, with your shit show, because you're going to wreck your chances in 24. Absolutely. And I think we've been saying that about Santos, too, and obviously he's under investigation now, but a lot of us and a lot of people I've heard go, let him stay. Let the Republicans get to have this stain on them for another two years and just over and over and over show exactly what they are. Yep. And they started it today. And we're going to talk about it in the hot notes. Hot notes. I mean, actually, they started it the second that, you know, they had to go 15 rounds to get a speaker elected. But soon after Elon Musk took over Twitter, he began promoting screenshots of internal company documents the Twitter files that he said exposed free speech suppression on the social media platform during the 2020 election. And Republicans were thrilled. On Wednesday, Musk's Twitter files took center stage in a combative Capitol Hill hearing as GOP leaders attempted to turn Twitter's decision to briefly block sharing a New York Post story about Biden's son into evidence of a broad conspiracy. Conservatives have long argued that Silicon Valley 
favors Democrats by systematically suppressing right-wing viewpoints on social media. These allegations have evolved in nearly a half decade of warnings as politicians in Washington and beyond fixate on the industry's communications with the FBI and Democratic leaders seeking to cast the opposing party as against free speech. Quote, Twitter was a private company that the federal government used to do what it cannot limit the constitutional free exercise of speech. That was House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer, flanked by a poster displaying the New York Post story. He added that the committee now knows all of this because of Elon Musk, joining a chorus of Republicans praising the mercurial billionaire throughout the hearing. The testimony of former Twitter executives repeatedly contradicted those accusations, however. Still, Republicans plowed ahead with unsubstantiated allegations of collusion between the government officials and the company's old regime. After one former Twitter executive testified that most of his interactions with the FBI were about foreign interference, Jim Jordan, the chair of the House Judiciary Committee, said, I think you guys got played. Oh, boy. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Hmm. At times, the hearing veered away from Republican aims as Annika Collier Navarroli, a company whistleblower, <laughs> brought forward new testimony. <laughs> Alleging what? I'm just, it's coming. I'm just, it's coming. It's coming. And I'm very excited that it's coming. You're (laughs) excited. It's really good. So Navaroli's a company whistleblower. She brought forward a new testimony alleging conservatives influenced the social network. The company changed its policies to accommodate Trump's rule-breaking tweet, according to Navaroli. And the Trump White House asked Twitter to remove an insulting tweet about the former president (laughs) posted by the television personality, Chrissy Teigen. Let's listen to that clip. Um, Please excuse my language. This is a direct quote, but Chrissy Teigen referred to Donald Trump as a pussy ass bitch. (laughs) Uh, And we're going to listen to that clip a few more times because it's amazing. What did I tell you? And thanks to Max Frost for eliciting that answer. And from now on, whenever anyone from Twitter testifies in a congressional hearing in the House, Dems need to ask them what Chrissy Teigen tweeted just so we can get it in the record again. Let's hear it again. Chrissy Teigen referred to Donald Trump as a pussy ass bitch. So perfect. Dana, I've watched that clip, uh, which I tweeted on Mueller, she wrote like 500 times. It never gets old to me. Oh, it is so good. But, but the hearing was just the latest effort to advance an increasingly popular Republican narrative that Democrats colluded with social media companies. House Republicans have formed a panel to probe perceived government abuses against conservatives, including allegations of social media bias. Meanwhile, two Republican attorneys general in Louisiana and Missouri have filed a lawsuit alleging that the Biden administration is circumventing the First Amendment to censor social media. Okay. Democrats accused Republicans of intimidating the former Twitter staffers after Republicans repeatedly raised the specter that they may have broken the law and could face jail time. After Rep. Anna Luna, a Republican from Florida, suggested former Twitter executive Yoel Roth and his past communications with federal government employees were highly illegal, Rep. Kwasi Mafume asked Comer to intervene. Jamie Raskin, the committee's top Democrat, blasted Republicans for using the committee's resources to take on an authentically trivial pursuit. Quote, silly doesn't even begin to capture this obsession, he said, adding that private media companies are free to curate content. In one notable exchange, Collier Navaroli, the whistleblower, told AOC that the company changed its policies to accommodate a 2019 Trump tweet directed at Ocasio-Cortez and liberal colleagues to go back to the crime-infested places from which they came. At the time, Twitter had a policy on abuse against immigrants, which included banning the phrase, go back to your country or go back to where you came from. That's what uh, Navaroli testified to. But former Twitter executive Del Harvey overrode her recommendation to label that tweet as a violation 
and Twitter later changed its rules to remove the phrase. So go back to your country was no longer a rule breaker. So Trump's tweet could stay up. The Washington Post had previously reported that Navaroli warned the January 6th committee that Twitter did not apply its rules to Trump. In another eye-opening reveal, (laughs) Navaroli said that the Trump White House asked the Trump White House asked Twitter to remove a tweet from Chrissy Teigen, who called the president a pussy ass bitch. The barb came in response (laughs) to a tweet from Trump calling Teigen filthy mouthed and criticizing her husband, John Legend. Let's hear it again, please. A pussy ass bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Throughout the hearing, Republicans repeatedly praised Elon, hailing the chief twit, bringing the Twitter files to the public. God bless Elon Musk, said Pete Sessions from Texas. It was Elon Musk that revealed data that uncovered a disturbing cabal. Of course, he only covered the cabal against the right-wing media people. We haven't seen the full files of Twitter. Democrats disassociated themselves from the executive. For me, it's God bless my country, God bless my family, God bless my friends. That was uh, Kwasi Mafumi. That's the Democrat from Maryland, by the way. Mr. Musk can take care of himself. Oh, such a good quote. (laughs) He's so good. He's so good. All right. The former guy, his one-time lawyer and fixer, Michael Cohen, he arrived Wednesday at the Manhattan District Attorney's Office to meet with prosecutors investigating the former president's role in alleged hush money payments to a porn actress before the 2016 election. Now, this is Cohen's 15th interview with the district attorney's office, but the first since recently convened grand jury began hearing evidence about the $130,000 payment to Stormy Daniels to keep her quiet about a long-denied affair with Trump. Cohen helped arrange the payment with David Pecker, which bring on the pecker jokes of the National Enquirer. Uh, He appeared before the grand jury on January 30th. Okay, so the hush money case was rejected by former District Attorney Cy Vance, but revived under current District Attorney Alvin Bragg because he's trying to save his ass for fucking up the last one, whose office has been fending off criticism of a decision not to charge Trump earlier. And this is a quote. I thought it's important not only to shed light on the evidence, but also the back and forth that took place. That was from Pomerantz, Mark Pomerantz, a former special assistant district attorney who co-led the investigation until his resignation last year. And he's the author of the new book, People vs. Donald Trump, an inside account. Braga said the case Pomerantz wanted to bring that centered on Trump's alleged fraudulent statements of financial condition was not ready end quote. And he expressed concerns that the book's publication could hurt the ongoing investigation. He went on to say, I didn't write the book to try and help Donald Trump avoid prosecution. The message of the book is the evidence was there. And that again is from Pomerantz. Yeah. And we're starting to hear more from Pomerantz and about Pomerantz and some of the inconsistencies between his resignation letter and the book. And also, you know, some folks are questioning him like, why didn't you indict before Cy Vance left, because if it wasn't ready when Cy Vance left, why was it ready a couple weeks later when Bragg got there? Right. Good question. Yeah. I think that, um, I mean, my, what, (laughs) what I'm certain about is I'm confused and upset about the Weisselberg sweetheart deal that he got to testify against the Trump organization, which was found guilty on 17 counts, but only had to pay a $1.6 million restitution. No one goes to jail for that. That's what I want answers to. We'll see uh, when this book comes out and when as more information comes out and as this investigation continues, whether or not that entire little Rico case was ready or able to be prosecuted, what Bragg is going to bring, because Michael Cohen told 
Nicole Wallace today, like, I can't tell you everything they're asking me about. He wouldn't he wouldn't say whether or not it was just the hush money stuff. Right. Because he said, I don't want to wreck this ongoing investigation. So I'm not going to talk about any of that. He is going in for a second interview, but didn't say when. He knows when, but he wouldn't tell us when. So I'm personally going to wait for more information to come out about that particular bit of it. But I am still baffled by that sweetheart deal that Weisselberg got. We'll see. Maybe it, maybe it's all 3D chess and it all rolls into some big, great, awesome fucking giant indictment. I don't know. We'll see. But I'm also, uh, you know, wanting to find out from Merrick Garland what happened to the federal case of course. against the individual one in the Stormy Daniel Hush money payment and the referrals to the IRS and the Southern District of New York by New York Attorney General Tish James. Tons of crimes, federal crimes at that. Where are those? It's all stuff we need to know. All right. From Politico, House Republicans are itching to investigate Hunter Biden, but they have a problem. (laughs) Merrick Garland. Hmm. Though their probes differ in focus and scope, Republicans are looking at possible conflicts of interest by the Biden family writ large. While the Justice Department homes in on potential crimes by Hunter Biden, they're treading on overlapping terrain. That's an issue for the House GOP because a DOJ indictment of Hunter Biden would effectively close off certain investigative paths. And just the investigation itself closes off investigative paths for the House Republicans. The turf battle has flown largely under the radar, but it threatens to undermine one of the House Republicans' most highly visible priorities for their new majority, investigating Hunter Biden. Of course. It's one of the first few things they could do unilaterally, at least in theory. But the DOJ looms as a potential roadblock. Ha ha. In fact, Oversight Committee Chair James Comer suggested in a brief interview with Politico that the DOJ should hold off on issuing any indictment against Hunter Biden so Republicans can complete their probe. Yeah, right. He openly acknowledged the criminal charges could hinder his investigation, giving any witnesses in the DOJ case clearance to assert their Fifth Amendment rights. Get it? Yeah. See? So if they indict him and there's case witnesses and the House Republicans want them to testify, they can't. Nope. If the DOJ does go that route, one option would be for the panel to pivot to focus more heavily on other Biden family members, including brothers of the president. That's what the chair said. Well, if we can't get Hunter, we'll go after Joe Biden's brother. So ridiculous. And here's a quote, actually. If they indict Hunter Biden, there's still a lot of stuff out there. And say we can't touch anything Hunter related, it freezes up all the evidence. So there's still a lot of stuff out there. In calling for the DOJ to delay, Comer said prosecutors had already waited this long. And Republicans would only need a matter of months, but his recommendation is all but guaranteed to fall flat. If the DOJ did listen, it would mirror the sort of unfounded coordination accusations that Republicans have previously lobbed at Democrats. The DOJ tends to purposely avoid linking its work with Congress's timeline, a frequent source of frustration for both parties. For example, members of the January 6th Select Committee routinely groused that the department didn't appear to be pursuing matters they had uncovered in their inquiry and they believed potentially rose to criminal levels. Republicans are formally kicking off their investigation into the Biden family this week with their first public hearing tied to the probe, focused on Twitter's decision. We talked about this not to run that New York Post story. Now, you know, here's some something to chew on, right? This House committee wants DOJ to wait to indict Hunter Biden so that they can investigate. And, you know, a lot of people are like, well, why didn't the DOJ just indict the leaders of the insurrection? The committee wouldn't have been able to do any work. Right. And it was very important for the public to have those hearings. And then once those are done, it's very important for the Department of Justice to get all that testimony and transcripts and 
evidence so that they can compare it and look for uh, consistencies and inconsistencies so that they don't impeach any of their witnesses. So it kind of had to be this way, what is what it seems like. Now, as part of the hearing, three former company executives, James Baker, he was there today, former Twitter deputy general counsel, that's who Jim Baker is. He was also, by the way, the witness in the Durham case that tanked the whole thing because he told three different (laughs) tales to three different investigating agencies. Yoel Roth, Twitter's former global head of trust and safety, and Vijaya Gadi, that's Twitter's former chief legal officer. They're, they were testifying today. Comer formally subpoenaed them, but aides said it was meant to give the witnesses legal cover. Whatever. They would have come voluntarily, but they just wanted to be tough and subpoena some people because they haven't in a while. Democrats, meanwhile, are expected to use the hearing, as we said, to ask their own questions about Twitter's handling of the former guy's controversial tweets. Their witnesses will be Navaroli, who we talked about, <laughs> and, uh, you know, among others. But the former president was banned from the platform, we know, in the wake of the January 6th attack, only to be allowed back on recently by Elon. And the hearing serves as Comer's opener into his larger Biden family investigation, which is expected to take a broad dive that specifically touches on Hunter Biden's business dealings. They talked about that a lot today in this Twitter hearing, by the way, the Burisma shit, the the same song and dance they've been talking about that nobody wants to hear about and voters don't give a shit about. So keep on going if you want. I don't care. And, uh, you know, (laughs) Daniel Goldman was great today. Uh, He's like, look, there's no evidence linking Joe Biden's decisions to his son's business agreements. No evidence has emerged and you don't have any. So just shut up already. It was it was. It was a a train wreck, which, you know, which is good for Democrats. Absolutely. Let them do this for two years and vote them the hell out. All right. This last one's from Long Crime. Deutsche Bank claims that a settlement agreement signed by a Jeffrey Epstein survivor insulates them from a lawsuit accusing them of complicity with the predator sex trafficking crimes. Now, ever since Epstein's death, his accused accomplices, associates and enablers frequently invoked agreements that he signed while he was alive as releasing them from liability. Convicted sex trafficker Gaylene Maxwell pointed to the expansive and controversial non-prosecution agreement Epstein reached with federal prosecutors in 2008, which purported to shield any possible co-conspirator. Now, that effort failed after a federal judge found that those prosecutors in Florida did not speak for the Southern District of New York. That's a fucking lads in New York going like, you don't fucking talk for me. In 2009, Epstein inked a $500,000 deal to resolve a lawsuit with one of the most visible victims, Virginia Jufri, releasing, quote, other potential defendants from liability. Prince Andrew had claimed that the document explicitly shielded royalty, but a federal judge refused to dismiss the case on those grounds. The lawsuit later settled on undisclosed terms reported to be equivalent to $16 million dollars. Now add the German lender to the pantheon of accused Epstein enablers pointing to such deals to avoid legal trouble. This is a quote, is consideration for a redacted payment of, and there's a redacted meaning we don't know what the payment was, as a consideration for a redacted payment of redacted from the Epstein estate, plaintiff knowingly and with the advice of counsel agreed to a broad release of any and all claims including related to, quote, acts of sexual abuse or sex trafficking by Epstein, against not only Epstein and his estate, but also against a wide array of other individuals and entities, including any entity that was ever engaged by or worked in any capacity for Epstein. Deutsch's memo is in support of a motion to dismiss the states. That whole fucking settlement, by the way, is such bullshit. 
and we have no idea why it necessarily happened. There's just speculation. But the lawsuit against Deutsche was filed anonymously, and it remains unclear from the redacted document which victim settlement agreement the bank is citing. This is another quote. Under these plain terms and several others, the release clearly covers plaintiff's claims against the bank, which are predicated entirely on allegations that Epstein engaged the bank to provide banking services, for example, custodial services, and on conclusory allegations that this work, quote, included aiding in the operation of Epstein's sex trafficking venture. That's what the memo said. Now, Sigrid McCauley, an attorney for the survivors, slammed the maneuver as a bid to duck responsibility. And this is a quote, rather than trying to hide behind a release that was never intended to protect Deutsche Bank, it should be focused on looking critically at its own failures that resulted in significant harm to countless young women and girls trapped in Jeffrey Epstein's international sex trafficking ring. That was Macaulay. That's what he said in a statement. Late last month on January 31st, senior U.S. District Judge Jed Rakoff gave the green light to a $26 million settlement between Deutsche and its shareholders to resolve a lawsuit about the bank's links to Epstein and Russian oligarchs. Now, that case did not involve Epstein's survivors, but rather the bank's investors were concerned about how the reputational harm and other liabilities would affect Deutsche's stock value. This wasn't even to the survivors. It was just to the stockholders. Now, the Epstein survivors sued in a proposed class action alleging violations of the Trafficking Victims Protection Act and federal anti-racketeering law. Deutsche insists that their lawsuit, quote, does not plausibly allege that the bank committed any predicate offense or directed a criminal enterprise, which would be necessary for a RICO case. Hmm. I don't think the judge is going <laughs> to dismiss this on these grounds. They didn't for anybody else. Yeah. You know. Prince Andrew's like, no, royalty, you can't do it with royalty. Uh, and the courts were like, no, it went forward and, you know, the settlement was reached. And then Ghislaine Maxwell's like, you can't, I'm a co-conspirator. And that happened in 2008, it said no co-conspirators can go down. Nope. And uh, she was convicted. And now Deutsche Bank's like, come on, we're, you know, us too. It's not going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> it's just not going to happen. But yeah, that's pretty interesting that there was a $26 million settlement between Deutsche Bank and its shareholders. Yeah. Because a shareholder sued the bank for its links, not just to Epstein, but Russian oligarchs. Although I bet those two things are linked. Uh, I'm just uh, saying. Oh, oh my God. I would put all my beans, all my beans on it. Yeah. All right. We have some good news we have to get to, but we're going to take a quick break. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It can be difficult to find a brand of makeup you can rely on to make high-performance beauty and skincare products made with clean, skin-loving ingredients. That's why I choose Thrive Cosmetics. There's no parabens, sulfates, or phthalates. Uh, They're certified vegan and cruelty-free. And the cause is in the name for a reason. Every single purchase supports organizations that help communities thrive. That's what I love about Thrive. Uh, And their makeup is phenomenal. And their skincare products help rejuvenate my skin better than anything else I've ever used. I'm hooked on the quality of their products. I love how they help people who really need it as well. They've got a sheer strength hydrating lip tint that I am infatuated with. It's effortless to apply. I don't even need to use a mirror. It slides on smoothly for even color that's comfortable to wear all day. It's lightweight, balmy, and non-sticky. It hydrates instantly and over time for visibly soft and smoother lips. It's the best. And I can't get over how much I love their Infinity Waterproof Eyeliner. It has the same semi-permanent technology used in microblading, reimagined for an eyeliner. It's waterproof and smudge-proof, so you can wear it all day. And now comes in new bold and classic neutral shades that complement every eye color and skin tone. I could never go back to my old eyeliner. 
I love it when a business makes it part of their core values to help the community as well. And Thrive Cosmetics puts it in their name and they stick to it. They've got over 300 different giving partners, helping people all over the country with things like homelessness, cancer survivors, survivors of domestic abuse, and so much more. With every purchase, Thrive gives back, and that matters. Now is a great time to try Thrive Cosmetics for yourself. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order when you visit thrivecosmetics.com slash dailybeans. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E, cosmetics.com slash dailybeans for 15% off your first order. And today's show is also brought to you by AG, AG1 by Athletic Greens. I take it literally every day, and I started taking it because I was looking for something tasty that boosted my energy and supported my immune system. I take it every morning, first thing, uh, before I do anything else. It makes me feel unstoppable. I'm ready to take on my day. And we want to thank Athletic Greens for their support. Right now, they're offering you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase when you go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. AG1 makes it easier for you to take the highest quality supplements, period. If I had to pick only one thing to do to help take care of my health, I would choose AG1 by Athletic Greens. When I first started taking it, I noticed immediately that I have more energy. I slept better. Even my hair and skin felt years younger. Just one delicious scoop of powder in a cup of water every day. You can't beat the simplicity and effectiveness of AG1 by Athletic Greens, and I can't recommend it enough. So if you're looking for a simpler and cost-effective supplement routine, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. That's athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Check it out. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, if you want to play What the Mutt with us, we're champions now. Just saying. We don't like to brag, but we're gonna. (laughs) We do like to brag. We (laughs) totally love bragging, especially about foster pups and rescue pups. Um, Send those photos to us. Adoptable pets in your area. A shout out to somebody you love. Shout out to a small business you want to, you know, give a shout out to. Anything you want to send us. You can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. First up, from Anne, pronouns she and her. Hi, my good news is to let you know about my daughter's amazing decorated gay sugar cookies and this business that she does. Laurel started her business a little over a year ago in Santa Cruz, California. It's part of bold changes she made in her life the last few years. I love bold changes. First, after being in a straight relationship her whole life, including being in a loving relationship for 10 years with her high school boyfriend and best friend, she realized that she's queer. She had to make a very big life change to begin to live as her genuine self. Next, Laurel changed her career from boardwalk face painter and henna tattoo artist to starting a decorated sugar cookie business. I am so proud of her and how she bravely created a life where she takes risks so as to be her happiest self. And I love this submission. And these cookies are absolutely beautiful. She's incredibly talented. These are amazing. Yeah, Laurel, if you're listening, nice job. Oh, I love the Pokemon and the little mushroom. These are, wow. I am super impressed. Look at the cross-stitch cookies. I know. I'm going to eat all of them. Laurel Bakes. I love oh, it. thank you so much, Anne. Wonderful news. Love it. All right. This is from Anonymous, pronouns she and her. Hello, beans, queens. For good news, I was once homeless. I have now been self-supporting with my own apartment for over five years. I think we can say that I've moved out of that phase of my life. And pet tax, meet Zen. I love this photo of her because she looks asleep. Look closer. Her eyes are slitted and she's ready for anything. Thank you for all you do. (laughs) 
Uh, here's a note. There was another picture referenced, uh, but it didn't come through anonymous. We didn't get to see the best picture you ever took, by the way. So send that in to us again. But look at this sweet baby. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have another one. We have another kitty cat from anonymous pronouns she and her. Hello, I'm the lady who brought super fecundation into the conversation on Monday's Good News, or rather super fuckingdation, as all the cool beans kids like to call it. Personally, I've always pronounced it with a long E. Up until now, super fecundation. So I checked with Merriam-Webster and learned that short or long E is acceptable, but I definitely like Dana's way best. So perhaps we should all lobby the dictionary for a change. Thank you. <laughs> Anyhow, AG asked about the differences between our two brothers from possibly different fathers, and they span both physical and personality characteristics. First off, in terms of physique, Archie, the white cat, is jacked with well-defined rippling muscles when he walks, sits, crouches, etc. If cats had an equivalent... To the sexy firefighter calendar, Archie would be July. Dover, the tabby, in contrast, is pretty amorphous and flabby. (laughs) You'd have to look long and hard to find any chiseled muscles on that boy. Archie also has a normal-sized head, while Dover is a bit of a pinhead, both literally and figuratively. And while both short hairs, they're both short hairs, Archie has fur that is noticeably longer and softer than Dover's. In terms of character, Dover is bold and brass, while Archie is afraid of everyone who isn't one of his carefully scrutinized people. Archie is smart with a long attention span, and Dover, well, not so much. And finally, Archie is always sweet, while Dover has a strong asshole streak when he isn't in the mood to be a love. We had planned to get just the one, but they didn't want to separate these brothers, and we're so glad we got them both. I've attached photos of them with their little doppelgangers, a family friend crocheted of them. Thank you for all you do to bring us the regular news, the uplifting good news, and the good healthy dose of laughter. Oh, look at these little crocheted guys. They're adorable. Oh, so cute. So many talented people listening to this podcast. I know. Unbelievable. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I was was like, tell me how they're different. Look at that. There you go. All right. This is from Kathleen. Pronouns she and her. Hello, Beans Queens. Thank you so much for spicing up my mornings and keeping this blue dot in a very red Maryland county marginally with it. I discovered your show last summer and I've been increasing my patronage with every new show you release. My husband will hear me with my earbuds in while exercising each morning saying, preach AG or exactly DG. And he's just happy I found a way to start the day feeling validated and knowing that I'm not the only one on the planet feeling frustrated. Mm. Your raw and real takes as to the wood, ha, woof, 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 woofuckery, woofuckery, that is McCarthy, squeaker of the house, 117th Congress's shit show were very insightful and provide some much needed clarity as I try to sift through the news to figure out what is really going on. And I really think you need to use the word woo fuckery rather than just fuckery. A bit more. It's more um, it's more all encompassing of the current state of the GOP. As for nickname for Jim Jordan's bastardization of the Justice Committee, I personally refer to the entire G- GOP as dipshittiots of justice, which is a great fucking word, by the way, (laughs) dipshittiots of justice in my head and think it's a perfect descriptor for the likes of someone as bombastic as the disheveled gentleman from Ohio. (laughs) I love it. For pet tax, I give you Zora, who I could not adopt due to my daughter's allergies, but I talked my neighbor into adopting because I fell in love and I'm a dog person. 
since she saved the sweet <laughs> skunk-faced baby, I'm the fun kitty aunt that dressed her up and then photoshops her into all of our nights out and vacations. This cat is known in our neighborhood for visiting everyone's house during the day and napping inside on everyone's bed. There's even a Where's Zora hashtag with the photos on the neighborhood Facebook page. If you're ever having a bad day, Zora may visit and turn it around. It's just more fun when she's in costume. <laughs> Oh my God, these are fantastic. <laughs> oh, amazing. Zora looks awesome and, and very just like accepting of what you're dressing her up in, by the way. Oh yeah, so good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for all of these submissions. They're wonderful. And uh, if you want to uh, send us anything or give a shout out to a small business or a business that somebody in your family's doing, which is awesome. Uh, anything you want to tell us at all, you send it in at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Dana. Yes. Got any final thoughts for today? No. No. <laughs> all right. No. Well, no. Tomorrow is Friday. I love Friday. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, we'll be in your ears. We're going to see if any news drops tomorrow. I probably <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I feel like it's just been a bombastic news week of dipshittiots. Thank you for that new word. Dipshittiots. I know. Thank you. Yeah, it's good. All right. Uh, that's it. I don't have any final thoughts either. I just wanted to say that I love you all. And thanks so much for all of your support. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Boat blue over Q. And take someone with you. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. Chrissy Teigen referred to Donald Trump as a pussy ass bitch. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane, with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media.